Welcome to Inside the Writer's Cafe. I'm Cheryl Nason. Our show features the hottest authors and introduces you, our listeners, to exciting new authors talking about themselves and their latest books. Today's show is all about political intrigue, murder, blackmail, and escape. And in Former to the Treachery of Friends, author Rowan Flowers gives the reader a glimpse at the underbelly of political corruption and gang violence in Canada. Alfred Lenarziak, in Road to Freedom from Behind the Iron Curtain, takes readers on a young man's journey through political injustice to his narrow escape to freedom. Rowan Flowers is a really interesting guy. First of all, he's the founder of Best of Both Borders Records, and his novels include The Wars of Men and Yahweh. He joins us today to talk about the latest novel in his gangster series, Informer to the Treachery of Friends. Rowan, I can't wait to say welcome. How are you this morning? I am terrific, and it's so great talking to you, Cheryl. Well, I can't wait to talk about this book. Let's go ahead and give our listeners a little bit of an overview of the book. Now, I think it's it's important that we say up front, because you and I were talking about this before we came on the air, this yes. is an adult book, so <laughs> there's murder, there's blackmail, there's bad language, so let's let them know that ahead of time, and then we'll talk about that a little bit, but let's give an overview of the book first. Well, um, the book itself, it's uh, more of a Canadian bike novel. We have, well, like I said, we have gangsters and stuff in there, but it's about these two guys who, um, well, they were acquaintances when they left Jamaica, but um, they found different ways, different avenues to get to Canada. And the book is, well, the main, the main storyline takes place overall in Montreal, Quebec. So um, when these guys get to Montreal, here they are, you know, bad guys in their own right, and um, here they, they try to advance themselves in their lives, you know, trying to get that fortune and recognition type thing. And um, when they get to Montreal here, they find out that um, the whole whole entire city is run by a biker, biker gang, and these guys, everything has to go through them. So um, here lies the, the big... Um, Problems between these guys, and um, they get into it uh, pretty well. So, um, like you, like we mentioned before, it's a book about um, it's more adult content, you know, because of the content involved is more um, for adults. So we try to keep it away from the kids. But yeah, sure, it's um, there we there we go. It's um, that type of a gangster novel, I guess. Are there characters in the first novel? The Wars of Men. That's the first of the gangster novels, right? Yes, it is. Are there characters in The Wars of Men that carry over into yes, Informer 2? Yes, it is, because actually Part 2 is actually a continuation of Part 1. Um, where we ended off in Part 1, <coughs> excuse me, um, in Part 1 where we ended off, we had even a little child that was got that got kidnapped in Part 1, and um, in Part 2, um, you know, we go ahead and um, feature the child in the book. The book, it's apart from the bike bikers and gangsters involved. It's also a book of about corruption, 
corruption in politics, politics, and not only that in the police force also, because um, these this gang of bikers they aren't just your typical bikers. These guys are actually ran by a, a cult of billionaires who their agenda is to not only control the underground illegal activities, but also what happens in politics, politicians and stuff like that. Actually, in part one, carries over into part two, they actually got their mayoral candidate elected into office. So here in part two, we go into um, what was their agenda from um, getting all this done from part one. So yeah, it's actually, um, part two is actually um, straightforward from part one, it's just a continuation. Tell me about your two main characters. What are their names? Um, one is Kevin, which he changes his name from. Um, he's more known as Nicholas in part in part one, and the other one is uh, we call him Killer, but his real name is um, Kadeem Kadeem Kite. Where did they come from? Did you make these guys up? What influenced you to write these kinds of characters, Rowan? Um, these guys are actually. They're influenced by people I actually know. Actually, wow! Story, really? <laughs> yes, yes. It's not their entire life story. I kind of, you know, emphasize on it somewhat. But um, the guys that, um, they're just, their personalities and everything are just there. And um, with these guys, um, yeah, like I said, they were acquaintances going up. And... Um, move over into Canada where, um, well, they found different routes to get to Canada. But, um, yeah, it's mainly about their lives, their life stories and um, stuff they've been through. Well, there, it's sort of a, a slice of life novel in a way. Would you say that? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's actually a more um, realistic novel and towards, I don't, when I say realistic, I mean towards the events that occur in the book. And, uh, I mean, it's not like your Matrix type thing. It's more like a real-life novel. So um, if you read it, you you really get that sense of um, the realism in the book. Because that, that, the, I, come at the, I come from the angle of the, the bad guys, per se. You know, we talk about the police and the politicians and everything, everybody else, but the book is really from the perspective of, you know, the bad guys. Well, yeah, and we start. You start off the book with this society party, and yes. all of a sudden, this society party that seems very poshy and very on the up and up, and only the best people with a federal prosecutor, who's named Brock Finnegan. He's he and his wife Karen are having this big party, and everything. It sounds lovely. What a beautiful house! And they're out by the pool. And the next thing we know. Here comes, they're getting, yeah. They're getting invaded. They're getting invaded, and not in, in not just invaded, but we've got we've got murder that takes place right up front, and then the next thing that happens is we find ourselves in the prime minister's office, yes. Matthew Layton, and oh yes, yeah, and here we come with the political corruption. I mean, it's it's a very character rich action filled book and i hope that this is not a commentary on canadian <laughs> politics <laughs> um so what it is so what it is because um i i tend to i've um i'm very passionate about certain things that happened 
um, especially in Canada also with um, even our First Nation people, Indians and Mohawks per se. So um, I have actually, when our main characters um, got into candidate and um, like I said, the bikers ran everything. So they're, they found themselves falling in more with the immigrants, you know, because those are the ones being who have been uh, persecuted by the bikers all these years. Right. So um, they also become good friends with um, First Nation people, and this is where I also incorporate things that the Indians have been through. You know, their their struggles um, not only to um, get the, the stuff they need for just just basic living. You know, so um, yeah, I try to. Um, I try to cover real, real issues in in my novels. You know, even I might be, you know, everything is, you know, escalated a little bit over overboard. But um, yeah, I really try to um, get to the points of what's going on, especially especially in our world today. Well, I know our listeners are curious, and I have to ask this question: You are the founder of Best of Both Border Records. Yes. How did that happen? Oh, um... Yeah, I've got to ask about this. I mean, I just have to. I'm so curious. <laughs> I have um, young Castro, Castro Cosby, my first artist. He's actually a first cousin of mine, my uncle's my uncle's son. So uh, when they went, when they started, when he started um, doing music, and, um, well, my family, our background has always been in music um, on the entertainment sites where we'd go out and play music and stuff like that, my uncles and stuff like that. So when he decided to um, go into the music and, um, you know, they came to me with a proposition and um, at the time I was about to, I was actually, you know, wrapping up in former part one, The Wars of Men, I was actually putting it together. And um, it, would, it just saw it, my vision for myself in the future where I saw myself, um, you know, putting out my new movies, producing stuff and it just all it just all seemed like it was just it was just an opportunity I had to jump on. You know, all just I, I, I just I could see myself, you know, tying them both businesses in together eventually. So yeah, I just jumped on it. Well excellent. I mean how exciting and how adventurous <laughs> of you to do that. Thank you. But the idea of the background in music, I think that's it just sounds like a perfect fit to me. How did you decide to write? Have you always been a writer, or is that I've always I've always written. Actually, um, when I came up with Informer One, I I I released a book. No, I I didn't release. I sent in a book to be released. Um, I believe it was around oh gosh, been a few years ago, probably 2007, around there when I lived in Florida, and this gave me an idea of what I needed to do to, um, you know, put my books out. And this is a novel I. You know, bad bad things happen in life, and when I put the book out, you know, I had some unfortunate incidents happen to me, so I ended up back in Canada. And um, but that book, that book initially, and it has nothing. That book is totally different from even Yahweh, because Yahweh is a book about you know God coming back for the earth, so it's God versus Satan type thing. Right. And um, it's even totally also different because it was more like a relationship novel. And um, yeah, like I said, I've always written. I've, I, I, my mom, my mom actually tells me stories about my little um, comic strips I used to write in when I used to go to school and stuff like that. So it's always been a passion of mine, and I'm just happy that I've I've, I've been blessed and able to 
carried over and um yeah get um people to you know um just stroll along with me while i um you know put my my visions out there Excellent. Well, you know, I, I hear that from many, many, many authors that they've started writing at a very young age and that it's just something that they've always wanted to do. It's sort of a life passion. So, you know, congratulations on fulfilling two really major goals for yourself, your own record company, and now you're writing books. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, Cheryl. Well, Thank it's, you. it's my pleasure. Um, if you could sit down with our listeners and talk with them after they'd read the novels, would you want them to simply be entertained by the books? Or is there a deeper underlying message that you're really trying to get across? All my books, um, well, so far um, with my three novels, um, definitely that. Even I try to, I, even in my personal life, um, what I do is I try to um, reach out to youths who have been, let's say, troubled youths growing up. Because growing up, I, myself personally, I've, I've been through a lot of, a lot of those stuff that they've been through. You name it, I've gone through a lot of it. So personally, I try to, even in my storytelling, it's, um, you, people will be reading my book and be like, mm, you know, that's. If, if that's not my if that's not my situation, that's probably somebody they've known type thing. But yeah, I really try to bring that realism towards no matter what it is because I try to help whoever whoever possible. You know, you never know you never know what what's going to affect whoever whoever reads it. So I try to keep that positive attitude towards whatever I produce. Whatever I produce. Oh, excellent! Now, if our listeners want to know where to find the books. Let's tell them. I went to Amazon, and I just put in the title of the book, which is Informer 2, The Treachery of Friends, and I put in by, and here's how to spell your, your name in case they don't know. It's R-H-O-A-N, and then Flowers, F-L-O-W-E-R-S. And it will come right up, and there's a very nice excerpt that people can read so that they get a feel for the book. Where else besides Amazon is it available? Um, Barton Nobles. Here in Canada, we have them through um, Indigo Chapters. And, um, well, my books, uh, my, my personal books, Books book, uh, book company, which is authorhouse.com, and um, you can look. We can also we can also get my books on um, ronflowers.com. But apart from that, I really know that my books are available in a lot of other small retail stores across all over the world. I'm very fortunate that I, I was able to get this done. But um, yeah, you can um, you can really get them in a lot of stores. That I there are so many that I can't name them all, but. Um, yeah, I have people that as far away as, you know, Europe, Africa, who've got my books in stores. So, If I noticed when I was reading some information about you that, first of all, that you do have a website, and I want to make sure that we give that, but there's a, you, you offered that if people will get the book from your website, they can get a personally autographed copy. Is that still oh, true? Yes. Oh, yes, still true. Well, let's give them your website. Um, it's pretty easy. Rohan Flowers, like you just spelled it, R-H-O-A-N, last name Flowers, F-L-O-W-E-R-S, rohanflowers.com. No spaces, right? No spaces, rohanflowers, straight.com. 
And I'm so impressed that you're using Twitter and you're doing Facebook and you're really putting yourself out there on the social media. Let's tell our listeners where all they can find you on social media. Um, well, like like I just mentioned again, Rowan Flowers. If you look me up on Facebook, Rowan Flowers. Rowan Flowers at Twitter. And I'm also on... Wow, I try to get out there on as much, um, on as much uh, of these... You know, Facebook, as um, much as these medias as possible. So, yeah, you can find me in, on pretty much most of them, from Tumblr, um, you name it. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm so glad that you're making use of all of that social media because I think that's very, very important for authors to do. You have been delightful, Rohan, to Thank talk you. to. I'm sorry our, our time is up, and I really hate to say goodbye, but we must. And thank you so very much for being my guest I want to today. thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. You're listening to Inside the Writer's Cafe, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. Joining us is author Alfred Lenarsiak. He was born in Poland in the 1950s and escaped the communist regime. He has degrees in engineering and finance, and those degrees have allowed him to work all over the world. He began writing stories based on his own life experiences several years ago, and he's published two other books. Alfred is joining us today to talk about his new book, Road to Freedom from Behind the Iron Curtain. Welcome, Alfred. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Before you and I really begin talking, let's give our listeners an overview of what the book is about. It's so interesting. This is a very simple book. It's the book of almost all of us in America and everywhere. It's a book of immigrants. It's the story of a young man who, at the age of 10, listening to clandestine radio, understood the uh, value of the freedom, not only world the freedom, but freedom itself. And for the next 14 years, took him uh, with all the struggles to build up the way how he can escape communist regime. You have to understand that that's not long time ago. That was 1974. Half of the world was living under communist regime, behind the Iron Curtain. Physically, we were like in a jail, in prison. We didn't have a passport. We couldn't go nowhere. It was all control. So this young man has to prepare his way of freedom. The book I, I wrote, actually, the book uh, just for my son, who was born in North America, educated, he's in financial business, etc. So for him, understanding the, the, the freedom is something fluid, something which you can see in the movies, etc., etc. When he's going to Poland, he's uh, received very modern country, very well, different. But in my time, that was a different world. So I wrote that as a memory in 2009. I didn't want to publish because that's too personal. But finally, when I, I showed him, he said, ah, this is a great book. This is the book that my generation would like to read it. Because we're talking so much about freedom. Yesterday, you saw it in Oscar. We're talking so much about freedom, about everything. But but what is freedom, actually? It's not just a going from uh, Mexico, North Africa, and get a job in some other country. It's the way how we have to transform ourselves to not only to take something from the country where we immigrate, but also uh, giving something, to embrace new culture, new way of life, 
have new friends, tolerance, uh, understand the way how the other people need it if we want to establish our life, our home, our family. So that's the road to freedom. So it's not only the road to freedom, how to get to the freedom, how to get past the border, but also uh, a little bit how is and how we have to mentally prepare. So, so that's my story. And uh, as I present that in London, and uh, one lady from from Leinster, she said. Well, actually, this is all immigrant story, and I, I was I was very pleased that was for me something good morning. You know, I think that's very true, and one of the the things that I'm glad that you have done is preserved the feelings of someone who experienced this kind of situation, because I think often when students study history, it seems very impersonal to them. They can't relate. They, they don't have any idea. They don't know anyone from that era. And one of the things that I liked about your book is that this has so much of a personal feel to it. Most of this is autobiographical. Is that correct? That's correct. However, I, I did develop a little bit of atmosphere of country like Poland, how we can, uh, how we did survive even with everywhere was shortage of everything, no freedom, no liberty, nothing. But the, the human nature always is dependent, always reinvent and try to survive. So that was the, the little bit of uh, how I say, I develop a story, I develop a little bit of the, that's why it's a novel, it's not only an autobiography, it's, it's based on my life, everything is true there, except that, uh, you know, you have to change some, some, some names, some people who were involved around me, and that they all real. Are you a fencer? There's a story in there about your character, Alfred, Albert, I'm sorry, who is yeah. a fencer, and he's very good. Is that you? That's me. I was a fencer. I was a world champion, and actually, uh, that was for me the, the biggest disappointment was that even if I was so good, but I was politically incorrect. I was rebellious in a way that I um, was always asking too many questions. And in 1968, was the Olympic uh, Games in Mexico. And my plan was actually to go to Mexico. I was not even in key. That's why they didn't select me to go there. But that was my plan, that if I would be in Mexico, at any price, I would try to escape to America from there. But I never reached Mexico, because even if I won the All-European Championship over the, 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 the tournament, uh, they, for them, was too much political risk to send few youngsters like me who will eventually escape, cross the border, and uh, be interviewed, and of course, uh, Libet uh, will talk about how the life is under Constitution. They actually made you, or asked you, to throw the match, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it, it, you know, in, in those days, uh, we as a uh, satellite countries of Russia, we didn't have much to say, uh, we have to obey the political uh, agenda uh, in somehow, and even in sport, 
And well, as you see, even today, you have once in a while scandals about arranging the games, and uh, that's mainly for, for financial reasons for, for those who, who, who play with that. But in my days, now the games were political, and uh, beating a Russian opponent in a final uh, was something outrageous. I remember watching the Olympics, and I do remember the Russian athletes, and I thought one of the points that you made in the book was that really these guys were almost professionals. That's really all that they did. And you talked about the facilities and how wonderful the facilities were, but it was very interesting. I've never heard an insider perspective from the sports standpoint, and I confess that I'm a sports fan. And so I thought that that was a particularly interesting aspect of your book. You got your education there. You were sort of forced into going to school. You, at one point in time, you were identified as a, a really smart kid. And without any, there was no question. You were simply chosen and they said, here's what you're going to do. I think that our kids today need to understand how wonderful it is to have the freedom to make choices. And I think that in the book, you demonstrate very, very well what it's like not to have those choices. How did that make you feel, to be sort of shoved into a mold? Well, this statement, this statement actually developed uh, for my son, who graduated from financial university, went to Boston, the Boston College. Then after he made MBA in, in Toronto, was educated in Switzerland, uh, over the world. And always by choice. Okay, we, he was fortunate that the parents could afford to send him to the best school. Uh, nevertheless, that was a choice. So he's, he didn't actually have the clue how it works in my time. Well, even, uh, you know, my, today, I'm very much interested in, in studying history and literature, and that's, that is my, today is my hobby. But in those days, uh, if I would be a, a historian, I was was really thinking I could be an archaeologist, whatever. So that was even always in the way of thinking that I can escape from Poland going outside to, let's say, making archaeological research in Egypt or somewhere else. But no, that was no choice. You say, well, we Polish economy has been coming to come. We need the engineers, we need the workers. You know, that was. Uh, we, we don't need the, the thinkers, we don't need the, those uh, liberal arts, etc. Uh, that was dictatorship. So, it, uh, I was right here, I went to architecture school, I want to do uh, uh, renovation of an ancient building. They said, no, 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 it's, uh, it's fine, you, we, we have enough architects here, now we have to be engineers. Or we take it or leave it, you know, you have to go and work in a factory instead. So, that was the that was the choice. Actually, anything in life was not a choice. Somebody decided for you, like you just mentioned, in the sport, uh, in 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 way of life, even in way of living. You know, you couldn't move. Let's say if you want to go tomorrow and establish yourself in Warsaw, you have to have a permit to go from one city to other to live there, and you have to have a job which is assigned by somebody else. And so that was the. That was the 
this kind of system of regime which was established on which individuality was not important. The collective had all the rights. And in that day and time, the idea of having the right papers that was absolutely crucial. I know at one point in time, you you show us uh, Albert going to the immigration. He's trying to get a, a, a visa to go somewhere else. And because he doesn't have some proper documentation, he's turned down. And the thing that I, I really enjoyed was that you showed through your character of Albert the the internal struggle that he was going through because he would not be brainwashed into the communist doctrine. He said, you called it feet of clay, that it was uh, the whole um, big idea was actually had a clay bottom and you could see that it was not going to be the way they kept saying it was going to be, that it was going to topple. And I thought that was very interesting that you had your young character you know, he's a college student. He's just uh, working with his friends to try to escape. And I thought that was a very interesting insider perspective. It is, it, it, it is very interesting for, for the Jewish nation. It, we, we still kind of serve that today. You know, we just, uh, we just watching what's going to happen in Cuba. Well, this is the base of the same regime. And if you go to the Cuba, they don't have any freedom of anything whatsoever. Right. And this is only 150 miles south of the United States of America. You know, the 13 or 14 million people living like that. It is slavery. And but in, in my time it was a billion people, you know, including China today. You don't have that. China is, is better open capital business, but still you don't have this freedom. Okay, you can travel, but in my time, we couldn't travel, we go nowhere. Uh, except for the socialist countries like uh, Czechoslovakia, the Bulgaria, Romania, and also with the permit. Uh, so anybody who had a little bit uh, different way of thinking or, or, or some kind of desire to change his life, uh, he has to have a permit for it. And the permit was not granted because a majority of those officials, they knew it, that the, the young men like me uh, would never come back. So they, of course, they control us by not giving us passport, not giving us a visa, not giving us the rights to go somewhere else. And, uh, and also, in some kind of oppressive revenge, well, if you were intelligent, you were good, like in sport. So we send you to work into the factory, we send you to army, we send you to the police working, uh, in, in order to, to, to temper your desire to change your life. That's what's, that was the, the, the main objective of the regime, the system. Now, I read the excerpt that's on Amazon. Our, our listeners can go to Amazon.com, and they can look up the book by title and by your name, and they can read a, a very nice excerpt. Where else is the book available? Well, it's available everywhere. It's Amazon, Barcelona, Woods, Auto House. Uh, you have uh, almost every, every book. Uh, if you go on, uh, on Google, and you can also very well find where I am in my website, www.alfredlenarchet.com. 
And also, this website de describes my, my previous books and my future books because I'm, I'm working presently for another one which will be published somewhere in May, May June. So, uh, alfredonarchak.com, uh, L-E-N-A-R-C-I-A-K, uh, that's very easy. But the book is available everywhere. Now, you also have a Twitter feed. How can our listeners yes. find you on Twitter? Yes, that's uh, Lenarchak, Twitter Lenarchak. Also on the website you find my Twitter, my own information about me. Alfred, you've been absolutely fascinating. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to talk about my life, my book, and, uh, and all of us who maybe some of, in, in the past, some our previous generation passed through the immigration procedures, always difficult. But we have to do that. Well, best of luck with the book, Alfred. Thank you very much. Our time is up, and we'd like to thank you for yours. Remember, pick up a good book and read. <laughs>